Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Within God's Word this morning, Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, we hear about... Don't put the verse up there till I call for it. In Matthew 24, we find out about the Jesus prophecies. There's no chapter in the entire Bible that has more of Jesus' end times prophecies than Matthew chapter 24. It's in Matthew chapter 24 that you find about famines. You hear about pestilence, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, kingdom rising against kingdom. But what's the number one end time sign? What's the chief, primary, end time, last days sign of the times that Jesus points to more than any other sign? What does he say? Wake up and look for this sign. Which one? Matthew 24, verse 4, showed on the screen, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Out of all the end time signs, deception tops the list for Jesus. Four times Jesus mentions deception. And then again in Mark 13, and yet again in Luke chapter 21, Jesus warns that deception will reach an epidemic proportion in the terminal generation. And who's the master deceiver? The father of lies. And I want you to know that Satan's deceptions are not haphazard. Satan's deceptions are not hit and miss. Satan is not deceiving just for the sheer fun of deceiving. My dad used to hide jalapeno peppers in my mashed potatoes and then laugh as I'd roll on the floor with those spicy peppers. Can't eat them today. Yeah. He's not doing it just to have fun. Uh, Satan is not deceiving us just as a laugh. He's working towards a goal. He has a strategy. And his strategy is not God's kingdom. His strategy is his kingdom. Remember, Satan said, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus said, if you will bow down. Or Satan said, if you'll bow down, Jesus, and worship me, I will give you what? The kingdoms of the world. I submit to you that our culture, our nation, this message is about the deception that has permeated our society, our culture, our nation to epidemic proportions as no other time. And it's a time for Christians. It's time for the church. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! And do not be deceived. In the dark days in which we lived, Paul the Apostle said this in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul said, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. This morning's message is all about exposing the works of the enemy in our culture, which I believe are at an epidemic pandemic proportion as never before as we preach a word that i've titled the age of deception father in the name of jesus speak to us this morning lord and we want to give you all the glory help us lord to offer hope in the midst of darkness we pray this god amen and amen 
I want to show with you this morning, share with you this morning, the enemy's four-part, four-part strategy, four-point strategy for world domination. First of all, demonic indoctrination. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Write it down. If you have a sermon study guide and you'd like to follow along with me this morning, America was the first nation and only nation in human history to intentionally base its constitution and its laws upon the Bible. Think of it. Our founding fathers prayed for God's blessings on America. They stamped in God we trust on our coins and our currency. They declared a day of thanksgiving as a national holiday so that descendants and generations that would follow them would always be grateful unto God. They established Harvard University for the sole purpose of what? To train ministers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every school day began with prayer. The Bible was used as the reading primer. Every session of Congress, as it continues today, began with prayer. America even inserted into the Pledge of Allegiance one nation under God. And God blessed these United States with unprecedented prosperity and freedom over the last 200 years. Our nation has been raised from infancy to number one superpower status. Our citizens have enjoyed, think of it, the world's highest standard of living. But in our power and in our strength, our national culture has grown proud and godless. We've come to believe it's our might, our prowess, our ingenuity, our technology that has made us invincible, unstoppable, and much like the Titanic, unsinkable. Mark it down. I'm convinced that one of the greatest lies that has infected our culture is the one that I'm about to cite. More than 100 years ago, our great wisdom embrace the notion of evolution. You need to understand that evolution is more, than a philosophy, is more philosophy than science. In fact, it's anti-science. It violates the major sciences. It does not even fit the definition of science. Look up the definition of science in Webster's Dictionary, and you'll find that the true definition of science is to be able to witness and verify, experiment over and over again and witness the event taking place. Three major sciences are violated. I could just quickly, and I, I could spend a whole sermon series on this subject. Very quickly, evolution violates, think of it, the second law of thermodynamics in the science of physics. The second law of thermodynamics states this, everything in our universe moves from a complex state to a simple state, from order to randomness. It has never been observed anything in nature of moving uphill, moving from simple to complex. You don't understand me? Go home. 
go home, go home this afternoon and see if your daughter's bedroom keeps getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner all by itself. A fundamental law of science is entropy. That everything that has been witnessed and viewed and understood in nature, in creation, moves downhill. Not uphill towards utopia. In and of itself. The second science evolution violates is the science of mathematics. The laws of probability. These are verifiable laws that are used every day by life insurance companies to offer a 55-year-old man life insurance. Mathematical laws of probability. They're betting that you're going to live <laughs> and pay those premiums. Sure. That's how they substantiate the premiums. Do you understand the astronomical Odds of probability for non-living material to become living material in and of itself, for non-living molecules to become one living cell, that which constitutes just one living cell is so astronomical in mathematical odds that it would be said to be impossible. Thirdly, the fossil record. Evolution, evolution, evolution violates what we see in the fossil record. And by the way, much of what I'm teaching and preaching on this morning is directed towards the young because I'm so fed up with the lies that they're having to swallow and be indoctrinated with. The fossil record. We find not just hundreds, thousands. We have found millions of dinosaur bones that are over 60 million years old. We find hundreds of them every day. The world, the planet's littered with them. Where are the monkey men? Where are the transitional forms that should litter the geological strata of our planet? They're not there. The bottom line, the missing link. Your monkey's uncle is still missing. And don't take my word for it. Take the word of a leading, the leading, evolutionary proponent. Let's look at that quote right now. Why then is not every geological formation and every stratum full of such intermediate links? This perhaps is the most obvious and gravest objection which can be urged against my theory. I've asked myself whether I may not have devoted my life to a fantasy. I am ready to cry with vexation at my blindness and presumption. End quote. Who said that? Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin. Evolution is not science. It's bad science. Evolution is one of the devil's most deadly deceptions. And almost everything wrong with our culture goes all the way back to the root of evolutionary philosophy. It's one of the most deadly demonic deceptions to infect our culture. If there's no creator, then there's no God. If there's no God, there's no judge. If there's no judge, there's no judgment. There's no good, 
bad. There's no good or evil. There are no moral absolutes. There's no real right and there's no real wrong. What is moral is what you feel good about. What is immoral is what you feel bad about. That's relativism. Evolution has spawned evil social doctrines and gospels of gloom that are demonic at their core. Evolution also teaches our young generation that life is not special, life is not sacred. If you subscribe to evolutionary thought, then you are then an accident of nature. You are the freak collision, the accidental collision of non-living particles that decided one day to become living cells. And life becomes cheap. And we wonder why young intellectual barbarians shoot one another and don't have one thought about it or subscribe to abortion. What Darwin carried into the biological realm, others transferred into the social realms. Philosophers like Nietzsche and Marx were profoundly influenced by evolutionary thought. They, in turn, spawned evil social doctrines. Marx, uh, of course, socialism, communism, anarchism, Nietzsche, fascism, and Nazism. Evolution birthed or revitalized gospels of gloom, naturalism, existentialism, determinism, relativism, secular humanism, and of course, atheism. God's Word says otherwise. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Imagine going to Mount Rushmore where the president's faces are carved into the, the rock and saying, ha, <laughs> look at what the rain and the wind has just done. People are without excuse. God, for although they knew God, at one time they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over. Look out when God gives you over. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth. Why is pastor preaching about deception? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Can I hear an amen? Precious Jesus. Mark it down. It's amazing how the isms, especially secular humanism and relativism, have invaded our American classrooms. There was a time when public school was opened in prayer and the Bible was used as the reading primer. And the Ten Commandments were ever before our children to train them in ethics and morality. Today, prayer's banned. 
Today, the Supreme Court has outlawed the Ten Commandments or any artwork that depicts Jesus Christ. The Supreme Court has ripped it from the walls. We've replaced God in our schools with messages of safe sex. Instead of God's commandments, we now teach fifth graders how to put on a condom. And if you bring a Bible to the public school, it's tantamount to bringing a weapon. We've replaced God in our schools with deception. And we've, re we've produced what kind of generation? Huh? Have we produced evolution's idea of utopia? We've produced a generation that's declared there is no absolute right or wrong. There is no God. We are gods. We make the rules. The unborn are nothing but fetal tissue. There's nothing wrong with lying and cheating and stealing as huge percentages of American students now claim they constantly cheat on tests and exams and lie to their employers. What you feel good about is moral. What you feel bad about is immoral. That's why there's nothing wrong with sex outside of marriage. That's why there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. Gay is, is being okay. And, and, and what has all this great wisdom got us? A generation riddled with AIDS, unprecedented divorce rates, dysfunctional homes, and an abortion holocaust. Evolution and abortion has accelerated the idea that life is cheap. We've become desensitized to the news of drive-by and workplace shootings as we hear about it on the news night after night. We take it for granted now. Primetime TV glorifies night after night in every American family room violence, nudity, immorality. Schools that were once safe havens for our children and our grandchildren now have security guards, metal detectors. Think of it. School shootings. Suicide is the second biggest killer of our young people today. It's no wonder Proverbs chapter 14 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Young people, student, when you're taught that you are your own God, your own Savior, that's secular humanism. That's deception. It's nothing but the same old lie that the devil gave Eve in the Garden of Eden. You will be like God. When some of America's best and brightest young men and women are going out into the woods and ripping off their clothes and, and becoming tree huggers to try to discover themselves as they howl at the moon, that's not only the height of stupidity, that's deception. Deception. You know, I feel sorry for the deceived. My heart goes out for the deceived. They don't know where they've come from. They don't know why they're here. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they've come from. They've been told possibly that they crawled out of a mud puddle one day and then decided to be a frog, who decided to be a squirrel, who decided to be a monkey, and then one day crawled out of the tree and decided to walk on two feet. My Bible tells me that you and I have been created in the image of God. Life is special. Life is sacred. 
It comes from God. Because of evolution, they don't know why they're here. They've embraced existentialism that declares that life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. Life is bound up in the absurd. As a Christian, I know that let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I am here to give Him glory in all I do and all that I say. They don't know where they're going. All they know is dust to dust, ashes to ashes. One day, they say you'll die like a dog and you'll just go into oblivion. Aren't you glad that there was one who looked across the Last Supper table and he said, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> you trust in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Glory to God. I know where I came from. I know why I'm here. And I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Praise God. Be not deceived in a deceived generation. But the enemy has another tactic. I call it media madness. Jesus said in Luke 21, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. There's no other... There's no other vehicle. There is no other methodology. There's no other medium that Christians are hated more in and treated unfairly more in than the media, the liberal media today. From Hollywood to ABC, NBC, and CBS. Mark it down. Christian bashing is now an art form in Hollywood or the liberal media. Though 42% of our country claims to be evangelical born-again Christians, when was the last time? When was the last time that you heard of born-again evangelical Christians or the church in a positive light on our media? We are now blasted by the media as right-wing, fundamentalist, homophobic hate mongers. One remarkable survey found that less than 3%, less than 3% of American journalists attend church or synagogue. Time magazine that has more than 120 editors only has two journalists that are born again in their last survey. Not long ago when 25,000 Christians protested a movie that blasphemed Jesus Christ. Our Detroit Free Press called these Christians the American ignoramus faction, fun-loathing people, full of self-righteous bile, end quote. Yet when animal activists protested a Disney movie where a wolf attacked a man, that scene was pulled from the movie because Disney listened to the animal activists who said that a wolf in and of itself would never attack a man and it put the wolf in a bad light. So our society and our culture, the bottom line, it's more popular in America to be anti-Christ than to be anti-wolf. Mark it down, millions of Americans are indoctrinated hour after hour by one of the most enemies, the enemy's most deceptive tools, TV. 
The stats are, are shocking. They're disturbing. Children spend more time, more time, more time watching TV than any other activity except sleep. And then I wonder. A study of 1,792 teens showed that watching sex on TV influences teens to have sex. In fact, it was found that kids with higher exposure to sex on TV were almost twice as likely than kids with lower exposure to initiate sexual intercourse. That's not from a Christian group, that quote. How about this one? By age 18, by age 18, youth will have seen 16,000 simulated murders and 200,000 acts of violence, the American Psychiatric Association. TV has become the great babysitter, the great teacher, the great brainwasher, the indoctrinator. The outcome is a generation filled with violence, lust, greed, witchcraft, and fear. Meanwhile, American parents foolishly sit by and let strangers indoctrinate their children every day through TV or our video games, which outsell Hollywood movies left and right, filled with violence and lust to unprecedented levels. I think it's about time, I think it's about time, mom and dad, that you go home, that you go home, you go home, and you sit down with your children and you turn off the TV, you log off on the computer, you pull those earbud things out of their ears and take the cell phones, and you look them in the eye and say, Hello, kids. This is Mom, and I am Dad. And we're taking over this house for Jesus Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. We're going to permeate the atmosphere of this home with God's Spirit, not Satan's Spirit. Satan's next point of deceptive strategy is godless government. I'm going to spend some time here. Mark it down in the name of tolerance. America has divorced herself from being a Christian nation. Yes, we've removed prayer from the classroom. We've ripped the Ten Commandments from the walls of the schoolhouse. We've taken crosses off of public property. We've removed nativity scenes at Christmas time from municipal grounds where they've been there for decades. Scriptures or prayer have been expelled from, 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 from public life. Let me just go on a bunny trail here. Pray for Shelby Township. Pray for Shelby Township, the municipality in which this church resides. I am amazed that time and time and time again, your pastor is asked, to open up the Board of Trustees meeting with prayer. They've come under great pressure, but they have withstood the pressure. Amen. Amen. And I just got a phone call last week. For years, I've been giving the opening invocation and the closing prayer of benediction on Veterans Day and Memorial Day. But this year, for a three-hour celebration, a veteran celebration at Shelby Township, your pastor has been asked to be the guest speaker that's God. That's God. That's God. We don't know how long the door is going to be opened. Let's pray that it remains open. Because uh, let me tell you, they're under great pressure to cave into that and to compromise. Mark it down by rejecting God and His Word. We are witnessing the collapse right before our eyes 
of moral law. Moral law. You see, the Bible speaks about a time when people will seek justice and will not find it. America is plagued with liberal activists, federal and district judges that even though the voters decide on an issue time and time again, they overturn the will of the voters and we're seeing democracy vanish rapidly in our land. Case in point, the voters of Colorado. Case in point, the voters of California more recently. What did they vote? What did they do? They overwhelmingly voted against the homosexual agenda in their states, respectively. And activist federal judges ruled that their votes did not count. And they would only count if they would fit the dictates of a politically correct homosexual agenda. Even though in 2004, what did we Michigan voters do in an overwhelming fashion? In 2004, we Michigan voters overwhelmingly, by a landslide, passed a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriages, again, by a landslide. Last Wednesday, a Detroit district judge came close, came close. We need to go to prayer. Came close to throwing out the law as being unconstitutional. And it's been delayed until a trial in February. What has brought this about? Against the majority will of the people in this state, two female Detroit area nurses who want to adopt each other's children and be married. Their lawsuit could end up overturning Michigan's 2004 ban on same-sex marriages. I don't know about you, and I don't think I'm yet prehistoric, but when I was a teenager, I thought gay meant being happy. The word gay is one of the most sophisticated, slick marketing moves ever accomplished in human history. When I was a teenager, and I was a straight-A student when I was a teenager, I wasn't a dummy. I didn't know what a homosexual was. I didn't know what a lesbian was. We didn't talk about that. And you'd never hear it from a pulpit. Oh, yes, it's always been there from the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, but it has never been shoved and indoctrinated in the faces of our generation like any other time in human history. How things change so quickly in one generation, in one generation. Think of the new world our children and grandchildren are inheriting homosexuality, lesbianism, lifestyles that were never, ever before discussed in public are now openly shoved in our faces through the media and taught in our public schools as an alternate lifestyle. In fact, in many of our schools today, 
uh, kids that, uh, uh, you know, if, if a first grade boy kisses a first grade girl, he can get suspended. But they wouldn't dare touch two lesbians or homosexuals holding hands in the high school hallway. They won't dare. The hypocrisy runs so deep. I've heard of that over and over and over again. How attitudes change. In 1987, 75% of Americans felt that homosexual relations are always wrong. 23 years later, only 44% felt that way. It's even less now. What are gay rights? There are none. Zero. Nada. Zilch. There are individual civil rights that apply to all of us, homosexual, gay, and straight. Gay legislation is an attempt to force the government to recognize homosexual legitimacy by granting homosexuals the same minority status as minority racial groups. And by the way, the next time, the next time, the next time a gay tries to tell you that they're gay because they're born gay, because of a gay gene, that's a lie. There is no gay gene. Look at the research done on identical twins. Same genetic material. One twin goes straight and is heterosexual. The other twin chooses homosexuality. People are not born gay. Like the missing link, the gay gene is not there. It's missing. It's a deception. It is a lie. The gay gene theory is so full of holes, it whistles when it walks. Let there be no misunderstanding. Despite how Hollywood, the media, and TV shows like Glee want to make it appealing, homosexuality to an American audience, despite how acceptable the PC crowd might want to make it, despite how certain nice uh, gay acquaintances that you have, and they're nice people. I'm not doubting that. Does it make it right? Does it make it right? It doesn't change the fact that God views homosexuality and lesbianism as an abomination, a perversion. He views it as sin. But preacher, I've heard that the Bible is silent on the subject. Oh, no, no, no. Leviticus 18.22, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. Romans 1, Romans 1 Romans chapter 1, verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men will inherit the kingdom of God. You see, it's really not a homosexual issue. That's not the issue. The issue is a Bible inerrancy issue, a Bible divinely inspired issue. Do you take the Bible as the word of God? 
If you take the Bible as the word of God regarding your salvation, a right relationship with God, and a home in heaven, then you must take God's word on this area of homosexuality and lesbianism. It's the whole loaf, the whole word, the whole Bible. We have a generation that wants to slice and dice God's word time and time again. Continuing with the subject of moral law. Moral law. Over and over again, we're seeing the demise of real justice in our land where the, where the, the victimizer has more rights than the victim. You can be stabbed by a mugger and you will still be in the hospital when he's let out of, out of jail. In fact, if you punch him while he's stabbing you, you can end up with serving more time than he did. The important questions are now, you know, was the accused apprised of his or her rights? Was the paperwork done correctly? Uh, if not, he or she can go. And you see, in the absence of moral law, what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong. When there's the absence of moral law, all you have left is judicial procedure. The government's own statistics show that 6% of all violent criminals commit more than 70% of all violent crimes. The same people are committing the crimes over and over and over again as liberal judges release them into the population. The proof of this just took place last August. I'm talking about Yellowstone County District Judge G. Todd Boff. He was trying a high school teacher who confessed to raping one of his students, a 14-year-old teenage girl. He confessed to it. The judge in the court proceedings claimed that the girl looked older than 14 years old. In fact, he said, and I quote, she's older than her chronological age appears and Listen to, else to what he said. And she was as much in control of the situation as the teacher. How long, how long, how long did the rapist of this 14-year-old girl, how long did he serve in jail time? You got it, 30 days. 30 days. And in the process of the slow and crooked wheels of justice, she committed suicide. God help us. God help us. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Mark it down since the Supreme Court's 1973 ruling that opened the hellish gates to abortion. There's been a 5,000% increase in abortions. Over 40 million preborn babies have been killed. That's over 20 times more than have been killed in all of our nation's wars, in all of our U.S. history. Abortion has become an unimaginable, a nightmarish holocaust of unthinkable proportions. It's become a national shame. And more than a national shame, it's murder. It's a grievous sin before God. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 106, the psalmist wrote, they even sacrificed their sons, their daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. Now get this. And the land was polluted with blood. It's about time 
that we stop worrying about what the environmentalist gurus worry about and start worrying about the judgment of God because we have a land that's polluted with blood. The most ghastly abortion procedure is the D and X abortion procedure known as what abortion procedure? Partial birth abortion. It's where the doctor inserts scissors at the base of the skull and kills the baby before the entire body is removed. Only the head is removed. The, di the child dies instantly. They argue, but it, it only happens. It only happens 1% of all abortions. But when you have a million and a half unborn children being aborted each and every year, that means 15,000 of these procedures take place a year. One abortion doctor put it this way. He said, and I quote, that short of finding oil on a piece of property, there is no more lucrative way of bringing in money fast as by opening up an abortion clinic. The land is polluted with blood. Do you realize, do you remember on January the 7th, 2003, what happened? On January the 7th, 2003, our Congress and our Senate and our president all agreed and signed into law, think of it, signed into law a ban on partial birth abortions. Praise the Lord. But what happened a year later? A year later, liberal, unelected, federal activist judges blocked this ban from coming into effect. And that's where it stands today. The land polluted with blood. Jesus said in Matthew 18, Jesus said, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Jesus reserves His greatest curse upon those that would hurt or hinder His little ones. Now, Christians are great at speaking out against abortion, but they're never doing anything about it. Not in this church, though. I've never been more proud of you, Lakeside, than when I see you as a church, both men and women and young people, work for the unwed mothers in our church who have chosen to keep their children instead of going the pathway of abortion. I'm talking about putting on big gives, like the big give baby shower. I've never been more proud to be your pastor. God bless you as you ministered, not only to them in a tangible way, but you ministered Jesus to them. We can't do everything, but we can do something to make a difference. Amen? Write it down. Man might want to change laws. Man might want to change with the times. Man might want to change morality and values according to satanic deception. But we serve one who has said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. I change not. I change not. Even though America has changed, 
even though the politically correct crowd has changed the vocabulary of sin. I want you to know that God's vocabulary has not changed. They call it multiculturalism. God calls it idolatry. They call it free love, an extramarital affair. God calls it fornication, adultery. They call it freedom of expression. God calls it profanity. He calls it pornography. They call it gay rights. God calls it sodomy, perversion. They call it free choice, a woman's right to choose. God calls it murder. God calls it murder. And listen, a politician that the TV cameras focus in on who attends church once in a while does not make a godly man. Any politician who goes to the White House and puts his right hand on the Bible in oath while his left hand is signing uh, documents federally funding abortions with our tax dollars or allowing gays to serve in the military openly or enjoying same-sex marriage is not a man of God. Is not a man of God. I will never use this pulpit for political measures. But when it violates God's word and morality, I have every basis before God to speak truth in the darkness of deception. Jesus said in Matthew 7, by their fruits, you will know them. Not by their style. Not by their words. By their fruits. God doesn't judge a person on style. He judges us on substance. Americans have been deceived time and time again by symbolism over substance. Lastly, the dollar deception. The dollar deception. Through the deceptiveness of the gradual, our American generation is witnessing the greatest restructuring of our economic system in our nation's history. Twenty years ago, who was the greatest lender on the entire planet? The United States of America. Today, we are the greatest borrower. We are the greatest debtor nation in all human history. As of this morning... Just before this service, I checked the national debt clock. Our national debt now exceeds $17 trillion, a number that by its sheer astronomical value, we cannot wrap our human brain around. Over $17 trillion. And it's, think of it, almost a doubling in just five years. We could potentially approach a point where just the annual interest alone will consume all taxes, consume all revenue. The Bible says, God says in Deuteronomy 28, foreigners shall become richer and richer while you become poorer and poorer. They shall lend to you and not you to them. They shall be the head and you shall be the tail. Who holds the most of our national debt? What foreign investor holds the most out of all foreign investors who holds the most of our debt China what if China pulls out and they just shot a warning across our bow last week what if they pull out what will happen when Congress doesn't vote the way China wants be not deceived be not deceived
America is no longer in control of our economic destiny. We're printing more and more and more and more money, and our dollars are worth less and less. And someday, our dollars will be worthless. If somebody tells you you look as sound as a dollar, you better go out shopping for a casket. Our national financial policy, think of it, is permeated with deception. For years, the federal government has been stealing from what fund? Social Security. You've got it. And replacing it with what? IOUs. <laughs> Worth only what the government is willing and able to pay. That great, that great resource, Social Security, has been bled dry, and, and no one knows how to put it back in order. If there's no course correction, think of it, an American president will be faced with just two choices. Either America will declare bankruptcy, or the Treasury Department will continue to print more and more and more money, and we'll be like the Germans before World War II, wheeling around our cash in wheelbarrows to buy a loaf of bread. Perfectly aligning what, with what Revelation, Revelation chapter 6 foretells. Read it when you get home. Resulting in a round of hyperinflation that will destroy our economy. Or how about this? Consider this sense of entitlement that we've nurtured our nation on in making the government the all-seeing father and mother the all-caring father and mother. I'm talking about welfare. The welfare department continues to tax people who work to give that money to people who can work but don't want to work. People that have figured out they can make more money on welfare than if they went out and worked. You see, sin makes you stupid. Not just on an individual basis, but a corporate basis at a national basis. Amen. And where do these people spend their money? Oh, many of you have watched the documentaries on TV. They spend their money on booze, casinos, porn, drugs. It's no wonder the welfare rolls have, have doubled in the last four years to about 50 million Americans on some form of welfare. My dad just sent me an email, and he wrote me this. He said, Phil, we're always hearing about Social Security about to run out of money, but why do we never hear that welfare is going to run out of money? Good point, Dad. I'll tell you why. We're seeing a massive overhaul of our economic system while the American public is just sleeping or in denial. A deceptiveness... A, a, a deception of mass redistribution of wealth with the intent of turning us into a socialized state. One of our dear Polish Christians in the church came up to me recently and, and, and said, Pastor, why is America becoming like what we fled from? Where are their heads? To add insult to injury, now we have health care reform. The Affordable Care Act. Our president himself has called it Obamacare. So I'm not speaking out of turn. 
on the surface, it sounds so idealistic. It sounds so caring. The Affordable Care Act, uh, providing the uninsured with, with health care, but it is biblically and it is morally wrong. It is wrong to spend money that we don't have. It is wrong to borrow money to spend it where we can't pay it back. It is wrong for us to borrow more and print more money. It is wrong to burden our children and our grandchildren with a legacy of waste, an economic environment of hyperinflation. It's wrong to force Christian businesses like Hobby Lobby, uh -huh. religious-run institutions like Baptist and Catholic hospitals. It's wrong to force these Christian institutions to participate in a program that violates their religious beliefs. It's against the First Amendment clause. It's wrong to, to make the American people pay for tax-funded abortions. It's wrong to create the conditions for a single-payer provider, the government, setting the scenario for our children and our, our grandchildren become slaves of the government, the state. It's wrong. It's deception. Mark it down just as we'll never forget 9-11. America could be rapidly moving towards the time when we'll remember the day the dollar died. The dollar died. James wrote of the future economy. James said in James 5, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that's coming upon you. Your wealth is rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. You have hoarded wealth in the last days, stored money will be worthless on the day the American economy crashes, the day the dollar dies. Why would God allow an economic meltdown in America? The gospel has been proclaimed in this nation more than any other. To whom much has been given, much is required. God will allow an economic crash if there's not revival, if there's not a turning to Him, because we've made the almighty dollar our God and not God Jehovah. It's to the false God of money Americans have sacrificed their health, their marriage, their families. If Americans worship God like they worship money, revival would sweep the land. Pastor, what should we do? Pastor, should we move up north and build a log cabin and store food? Pastor, what should we do? I want to remind you that your provision, your provision, your provision, your supply, it doesn't come from the big three. It doesn't come from Congress. It doesn't come from the Federal Reserve, Wall Street. It doesn't come from the White House. Our source is God. God alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If my faith was centered around the American dollar, I'd give birth to peptic ulcers every day. But I'm not worried one bit because my hope is built on Jesus Christ, His blood, and nothing less. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
We serve a God who cannot and who will not fail. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 37, I was young and now I am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Hallelujah. God is greater than the American economy. Hallelujah. By the way, have you heard of the golden rule? Have you heard of the golden rule? What's the golden rule? He who has the gold rules. Who's got the gold? God said to the prophet Haggai, look at it. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. I rule, I'm on the throne, and everything's going to be all right. No wonder, well, no wonder Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first, seek first, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Before you run out of here, before the service is over, and run to the bank and quick bring your cash home and do something stupid, <laughs> seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that you worry about will be added unto you. God's going to take care of His children. If God attends the funeral of every sparrow, how much more are you worth to God than any one sparrow? Hallelujah! 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 So what does all this deception add up to? What is the enemy up to? What is the enemy up to? What's his master plan? What's his master strategy? If you don't know what his master strategy is, just take out a dollar bill and look at that pyramid. If you don't know what his master strategy is, just take out the dollar bill in your wallet right now, your purse right now. Look at that pyramid that has the all-seeing eye above it, and look at those Latin words down below. Novo Ordo Seclorum, New World Order. Read the prophecies of the Bible. They are abundantly clear. Read the book of Daniel. Read the book of Revelation. It's all there. But let's start in Deuteronomy chapter 30. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Often, one of the worst things, write it down, is to get what you want, doing what you want to do instead of what you ought to do. This is the American story. God is saying to us, if you want to swallow a lie, if you want to embrace deception, if you want leadership to take your money from people who work and give it to people who won't work, to spend more money than you take in, if you want to embrace immorality and perversion and idolatry, uh, if you want to pollute the land with blood, if you want that, you can have that and the judgment that goes with it. You see, sin carries its own judgment. The Bible says the wages of sin is, you got it, and America is dying a slow death. Mark it well. The book of Daniel reveals a panorama of four empires or kingdoms that would directly impact Israel. Three are now history. Three are now history. The Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greek. But then God said, out of the fourth, the Roman there would come a revived Roman Empire. 
or new world order. We are that generation. Our nation, our generation is being conditioned for one world government. Until our generation, one world government would have been a complete impossibility. But with the advent of global communications, high-speed computers, intercontinental ballistic missiles, satellite technology, and the Internet, plus the indoctrination of our children in the public school system, telling them that it takes a village, i.e. Hillary Clinton, that they are now global citizens, not citizens of the United States, but they are world citizens. Add that all together. No generation before has ever had the feasibility, the capability to become a one-world government like our generation. Note it well. Couldn't have happened in my dad's day. Today it can happen. Ours is the first generation to make one-world government possible. And our world is desperately looking for a superman to lead a super government, a one-world government, a, a world leader who has all the answers. And Bible prophecies declare that this one is coming. It's coming. He'll be the first world dictator. The future Fuhrer. He's the superman the world is looking for. Oh, preacher, the world would never do that. They, they elected Hitler. He wrote everything that he was going to do in Mein Kampf. He wrote his plans and they elected him anyway. He came on the world stage in the midst of economic chaos, as dictators do. Just like you heard about Cuba. Fidel Castro came into the scene promising salvation. And then the mask came off. And the Savior became a devil. It happened with Castro. It happened with Hitler. It happened with Stalin. And it's going to happen with the Antichrist, the beast, 666. He's coming. He's coming. And the world is being conditioned for his lies. Read about his character in Daniel. Read about his character in the book of Revelation, especially Revelation 13. You'll find that he is a master deceiver. All kinds of style, all kinds of eloquence, all kinds of oratory. But his substance is deception. And through his deception, the Bible says he will prosper. He will conquer. Many have tried to revive the Roman Empire. One world government. Charlemagne tried it and failed. Bismarck tried it in World War I and tried to make the Mediterranean a German lake. Hitler tried it in World War II to revive the Roman Empire. He said the Third Reich would last a thousand years. Where others have failed militarily, the Antichrist, through deception, will achieve this economically. Economically. He is working towards that day when the dollar will die. This is his hope to achieve. It's part of the plan. Revelation 13 declares, 
Revelation 13 says, And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. Uh, while previous conquerors have failed through military means, he will, he will achieve world domination through economic methodology. The Bible says in Revelation 13, And he causeth all small, great, rich, poor, free, bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man might buy or sell save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is six, six, six. I want to go on record. I believe in one world government. I am looking forward to one world government. I embrace one world government. Not with Antichrist, with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! There's coming a day, hallelujah, where there will be one that will walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. There will be one that will walk into the halls of Congress, the Senate. There will be one that will walk in the United Nations and declare, I'm in charge now. I'm in charge now. I'm in charge now. Pastor. Pastor. Everything you've said. Everything you've talked about has got me scared. That was not my purpose to scare you. My purpose is to wake you up. To separate, to separate truth from falsehood. Can you handle the truth? These things are coming. These things are coming. But he or she who endures to the end shall be saved. Pastor, am I going to have to face Holocaust? Am I going to have to face judgment that God pours out upon our nation, upon this world? Pastor, am I going to have to face the Antichrist, the B666? Only if you have not made your rapture reservation. Amen. Jesus said there is a day and an hour that no man knoweth, not even the angels in heaven. And I feel that we're on the threshold of that hour and that moment when all of a sudden the Father is sitting upon the throne, will declare unto His Son Christ Jesus, now is the time. Go and get my bride. Snatch them away. And He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God will sound. And they which are dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up, caught up, caught up to be with Him forevermore. Would you give Him praise? Would you give Him glory? He's coming back. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody stand. Glory to God. The first time, the first time, the first time, the first time, the first time he came, he was a baby in a Bethlehem manger surrounded by smelly goats and sheep and donkeys. The next time he comes, he'll be riding on a milk-white stallion, thundering through the clouds, and every eye shall see him and behold him.
the first time he came the first time he came he was hauled before Pilate before King Herod the next time he comes Pilate Herod Sama who's Saddam Hussein Osama bin Laden uh, think of it even old Slewfoot the Antichrist they'll come on bended knee and cry out Jesus Christ is Lord they'll be brought before him Lakeside's biggest service, I'm convinced, will not be an Edge of Eternity production. Though they're packed out, I'm convinced that Lakeside's biggest service will be the hour after the rapture. It'll be the hour after the rapture. It'll be an hour of nightmare and horror. I believe I believe even though this church is locked up, closed up, they'll break through the doors. I believe that our parking lot will be jammed. Uh, I believe that they'll leave their cars on Shaner Road and they'll run into this church, they'll run down this altar and they'll cry out to God, I'm ready now, I repent now, oh God, now I believe. But it's too late, it's too late. You've been left behind. But preacher, won't there be people that will be saved and born again during the great tribulation? Yes, but these are people that have never received an adequate witness that Jesus Christ is their Savior. Uh, the greatest revival will take place during the great tribulation. But these are people that have never heard. Half of our world has never heard the name of Jesus once. Do you have Bible for that, Pastor? Yes. The wise and foolish virgins, the bridesmaids. How many? How many? How many were left unprepared? How many were not ready? How many came back knocking on the door, let us in? How many? Five out of the ten. Half. Fifty percent of the church was found not ready. And they knocked on the door. Let us in. Let us in. And the voice of Jesus came back. I know you not, you worker of iniquity. Depart from here. I know you not. How about it? How about it? How long will you play with the love of Jesus? How long will you choose to be deceived? How long will you trample on the blood of Jesus that was shed for your life and your soul? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. It might never come. Today, right now, isn't it time you make your rapture reservation and be found ready when Jesus comes? Father, I pray right now, Lord, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Lord, I pray that you would do a marvelous work, an awesome work even right now. Lord, there are those here this morning as Christians are praying that, Lord, they want to choose you. They want to say yes to you. They, want to, they don't want to be caught between two worlds because there's no middle ground. They want to say yes to you and make their rapture reservation. Lord, there are those that are here this morning that need to rededicate their life to you. They know about you, but their hearts have somehow grown cold. They need to know you and know you more and follow you. 
As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Christians are praying. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. If you want to be included in a prayer that will not only make you right with God, but give you a rapture reservation. If you want to be included in this prayer, then just lift up your hand right now as a sign of your faith. If you want to be included in this prayer, if you don't want to be included, keep your hand down and go on record for rejecting God's love for you. Lift it up high so that I can see it. How many this morning? Yes, yes, yes. God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, how many more? How many more? How many more? Precious Jesus, don't be left out. Don't reject what God has given. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you as you lift it up for Jesus. How many more? How many more? God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Amen. How many more? How many more? I'm looking up in the balcony. Yes, I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. So many hands lifted up. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. I don't often do this, but I'm going to do it right now because I sense the Spirit of God moving. Christianity is not for sissies. It takes a real man and it takes a real woman to step out for God. It's about time that you stand up and be counted for Jesus Christ. It's about time that you confess Him. I have found that Jesus, as I study the Gospels, when He called people, He always called them publicly. You raised your hand as heads were bowed and eyes were closed, and all of heaven has seen that act of faith. But I make a second invitation. If you're serious with God right now, I'm going to ask you to step down to this altar and join me right down here, right now. Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone is ashamed of me, I will deny them before my Father which is in heaven. But if anyone will confess me before people, I will confess them before my Father which is in heaven. Who will be first? If you raised your hand, come down here and join me right now. If somebody next to you needs to come down here, tell them, I'll walk down there with you. I'll come down there with you. I'll walk down with you. Here they come right now. Encourage them right now in the name of Jesus. Keep coming. Mom and Dad, you need to be down here. Come on down. Come with your children. Come with your boyfriend. Come with your girlfriend. Come with your husband. Come with your wife. Tell them, I'll walk down here with you. If you raised your hand and you meant it, come down. Come down. Come down. Keep coming. Keep coming. Come on, are you serious with God? We're talking about eternity. Keep coming. Where's my prayer partners? Where's my deacons? Where's my elders? Please come. 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 Keep coming. Amen. You mean business with God. Maybe it's a rededication. Maybe it's a rededication. Come this morning. Come, yes, come from the balcony. Come on, come on, come on. Keep clapping. Keep encouraging them. This is a big step. Keep coming. Keep coming. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. I don't care if you're a member in this church. I don't care if you're a spiritual leader. If your heart is not right with God, if you're not where you should be, swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. Who cares what people think? Let's worry about what God thinks. Come. 
Come, come, amen, come. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus, praise the Lord. Precious Jesus, everyone pray this prayer with me right now. I know that one of the biggest steps that you have ever made is to come down to this altar. This has been an old-fashioned altar call. And I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation, and I want everyone in this church to pray this prayer of salvation, but especially these that have come to this altar this morning. Precious Jesus, are you ready? Put your heart into what you're about to pray. Dear Jesus, I come to you right now just as I am. I make no defense. I confess. I have sinned. I am a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sins with your precious blood. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for forgiving me, cleansing me, changing me, giving me a new home in heaven, a rapture reservation. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I believe this, and I receive this. And all God's people would say, Amen. Let's give him the glory. Hallelujah.